Alright. Hello, everyone. Um, you're listening to another episode of Lo Ringo Bernables. <laughs> I'm Drew, and uh, today we have Noberto because he went to NXT TakeOver Portland. So, shockingly awesome for him. What's your name? <laughs> I'm Bryson, like <laughs> there, always. There we go. Get everyone to know who we are. <laughs> so, last night was NXT TakeOver Portland. What Su- a show. Super sick. So sick. I had my opinions on the end, but everything else was super sick. Show started off with Poppy. Yep. That was... That was really cool. That was something. I like the performance. I don't get the appeal of Poppy myself, but... If I move to Albuquerque in August, I'm going to go see her with Gojira and the Deftones. I mean, that's sick. I think... I mean, I can appreciate it, but I guess it's just not for me. I'd also like to go on records as saying, I do not like the Deftones. I love the Deftones. But I want to see Gojira. Gojira is super sick. Anyway, so Poppy performed. It was super cool. Um, then we it started the show with uh, hype package calling of Mick, uh, Mark Henry pretty much saying that Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic are the future of the big guys in the industry. So that was yeah. really cool to see Mark Henry put them over that hard. Yeah, and, and then the match was Lee, uh, Keith Lee versus Dijakovic. Yep, and what a fucking match it was. <laughs> they were great. They- that's a, that's how big Haas fights should be handled. Yeah, like what you said in the group chat, Dominic Dijakovic is the best big man in, like, is one of the best tall guys. The best tall wrestlers. He's so good. He's so, so sick. Um, I, like I've got on record saying on Twitter and stuff, I want the NXT title, or the North American title now just be a big boy title. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, all the big beefy studs fucking hossing it out. I was also confused because I thought on Wednesday they said that um, Velveteen Dream and Roderick Strong were going to have a match at TakeOver. But they pushed it to this Wednesday. Yeah. Kind of weird. Same with the um, Candice LeRae and... Wait, who was it? I can't remember. There was another match that they were going to add to take over, but they decided to push it on Wednesday. Oh, really? Which is a smart move, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, it makes people excited for Wednesday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic. It was very cool. Um, really good match. There was really some... Good. Dominic did some crazy flips out of the ring. <laughs> Um, yeah, the step over tope he did to Keith Lee while sitting on the chair. Also, Ooh. hey, cage side seats. Keith Lee's chops are not better than Walter's. I don't give a single shit. Keith Lee's chops are great. This was a great match. Keith Lee's a great wrestler. But his chops are not better than the than Walter's chops, period. <laughs> it's They're so good. True. But, but it was a great match. Um, great Keith match. Lee. The PWG spot got a huge pop out of me. The freaking, that spirit bomb was insane. Stands up and just kicks him. Yeah, so good. Um, and then we had the street fight between uh, Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox. I like this match amount a lot. Yeah. I don't like street fights. I've um, I don't like street fights in the WWE compared to watching like a CZW match or something like that. Yeah. I would rather watch if it's a street fight if it's a hardcore match. I want it to be hardcore. That might be wrong of me, but God, God, glory, that's what I want. I like it. Like I'd rather watch that. But this match was really good. Really good. Um, Tegan Knox took out a cricket bat, and I was like, Gee, I mean, not Tegan Knox, Dakota Tai took out a, um, a cricket bat, and I thought she was going to fucking knock Tegan Knox's head off. That was the scariest spot because, like, that thing is thick and it's hard. And she swung that thing super so fucking hard. hard. <laughs> she snapped it. I mean, it might have, it was probably gimmicked. I'm sure it was. But she swung it. She fucking. She swung it as hard as evil, like, swings the um, chair off people when he puts it on their neck. That's how hard she swung that bat at Zeke, Mike. It was... 
Um, it was a good match. Tegan Knox. I mean, her shining, her shining wizard is super solid. Yeah, and like this whole match too. Like it was really like, it was pretty violent. Like yeah. it was like, um, there's a spot with uh, Dakota Kai's knee that was pretty brutal. Um, just well, getting that revenge. Murder her name. Oh, yeah, and God. then we had the um, debut of Reina Gonzalez, um, destroying Knox. Dude, that bump gave me so much anxiety. Uh, that table didn't break. No, I like, was scared. I mean, just taking a, a back bump as scary enough as it is, but a flipping back bump onto a table that doesn't break. Yeah, she hit super hard. R.I.P. Tegan Knox. She was done for, and then Dakota Kai picked up the pin, and now there's going to be some sort of teamwork, friendship going on there. It might lead to something. I have a different theory about that, but we can talk about that later. I wish the person who would have came out would have been someone who we've seen on TV previously. Yeah. Because the Reina Gonzalez, like a lot of people didn't know who she was. I wasn't familiar with her. It should have been Marce Mercedes Martinez. That's exactly who I was thinking. Mercedes Martinez should have came out because we've at least seen her on TV. We've seen her like start that whole feud with um, Baszler. And like when we look back to the women's war game like leading up to it, Dakota Kai did almost beat Shayna Baszler. She was really close. She put on a hell of a match with Shayna Baszler. Um, this was probably two, three months ago. Yeah. But it was a really good match. And, like, the fact that um, it wasn't Mercedes Martinez, which then could have led to some interesting stuff for a little bit. Yeah. Kind of a bummer. But it was really cool. Solid match still. Very solid match. Yeah. Yeah. And then up next was, was it a tag match? Yeah. Yeah. No. Was it the women's title? No, it was... Uh... Oh, it was Finn and Johnny Gargano. Finn and Johnny, yeah, yeah. Super good match. Yeah, Johnny Gargano came out in his carnage gear. Yeah, Johnny Gargano's kind of like I'm over I'm over Gargano. I one hundred percent agree. I'm sick of him and we'll talk about another reason why I'm over him in a minute. But <laughs> this match was fine. Um I actually really enjoyed the match. Finn Balor should wrestle as a cruiserweight. I agree. This if he's gonna use nineteen sixteen DDT. He needs to be a cruiserweight because he can lift people up like Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano a lot easier. Yeah. Also, him versus Jordan Devlin would be so sick. And, like, there's no point in him having the NXT title again. Yeah. Why not, like, why not use this as an opportunity to make Finn Bauer successful Neville? Like, really be the king of the cruiserweight. Well, not only that, Finn Bauer is such a big name that he can actually help bring the Cruiserweight title up to something that's yeah. going to be hot tossed around it, for two weeks anymore. It would be almost as cool if Rey Mysterio decided to go as a Cruiserweight. Because yeah. that would be that would be so fucking cool. It would establish that belt and make that belt really mean something. Absolutely. It would be like the WCW Cruiserweight title. Yeah. Like, that's what would happen. It would be really cool. But I don't think that's going to happen because um, Rey Mysterio and Dominic are going to hold the tag team titles in a couple months, I think. <laughs> I think they might set them up for a match at Mania. For the Raw tag team titles <laughs> on the pre-show because the WWE hates tag teams. But they love Rey Mysterio. So. They love Rey Mysterio and they seem to really like Dominic. I think but, they got partial custody of Dominic in the match, but that's another conspiracy theory. <laughs> contract issue. Yeah, dude. Um, no, I actually thought the match was really cool. I love... I'm a much bigger fan of, of heel Finn. Yeah. Because he's able to be a lot more aggressive. He's able to show a lot more personality. He's not just a smiling Irishman anymore. Yeah. He's actually actually back to being the prince, which is super sick. And I mean, as sick as I am of Johnny Organo, he does sell very well. He sells like and a like, fucking architect. Finn Bauer doing that, like, Finn Bauer doing that shotgun dropkick and Johnny Organo, like, throwing himself into the corner as hard as he could yeah. is incredible. But, that being said, I'd rather see uh, Candice LeRae and Finn Bauer. <laughs> That'd be so sick. However, the like twisting 1916 he did to finish off Johnny Gargano 
That was sick. It was like a twisting snap DDT. Because he should be a cruiserweight. Exactly. He can do cooler things to cruiserweight guys. And, the, and the, his coup de gras he did right before that was really sick too. The one where he just did it straight on the yeah. mat instead of doing it off the rope. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, but that was a really good match. Um, Spoiler alert, there was one even like remotely even close to bad match on the no, show. No, this whole show had an average rating of probably four, four yeah. stars. Every match. Every match. Um, up next, we had the Women's Championship. It was NXT Women's Championship. This was my least favorite match of the night. Rhea Ripley versus Bianca Belair. First of all, Bianca Belair's outfit, so sick. Um, that black history uh, making yeah. was so sick. She's so sick. And she designs all her own stuff. Really so and sick. like, she could be like, there's another lady who designs a bunch of ring gear, like Dustin Rhodes posts better on Instagram. Yeah. She could be that next person if she really, if she decided to stop wrestling tomorrow, she could yeah. probably make a damn good living doing that. Um, she's great. Um, her parents were there, so she had to lose. That's a rule. <laughs> but no, it was a really good match. I think it was Ripley, Rhea Ripley's best match since she won the title. Agreed. I preferred this match over the Tony Storm match because her other match with Tony Storm were better. And I preferred this match over the... Who else did she have a match with when she won the title? Someone else. Candice LeRae? I can't remember. she have a match with Io Shirai? It might have been. No, I don't think so. I Ooh. can't remember. Was it Dakota Kai? It was Dakota Kai. And she, like, fucking squashed her. Yeah, it was Dakota Kai. Yeah, that's right. Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, it was a good match, though. Um, and then we had um, the tag team titles. Well, obviously, Rhea won. Yeah, Rhea won. Uh, and then Charlotte attacked her, and she did that natural selection, and she I, did it really well. I fucking hate that move. That like move it. is the most worthless move ever. I like it. It's somebody laying down, dude. Oh, by the way. I if want... she does it to somebody standing, that would be sick. Somebody kneeling, that's literally somebody just falling forward. I want to tell you, by the way, my grandpa has the exact same opinion as the wing clipper as you. It's terrible. It's just a butt bump. Yeah, dude. He said that. It's <laughs> was literally like, a butt bump. Okay, going on a tangent. We mentioned this on the last episode. If you don't listen, um, all the time. On the last episode, Bryson was mentioning that Angel Garza's finisher, the wing clipper, is literally just a butt bump because all he does is hook the arms and drop down. Yeah. And my gran- I call my grandpa, who's been watching wrestling lately, um, just because I was talking about wrestling with him, and he used to watch wrestling, so he's getting back into it. Um, but he's watching. Which is so sick, by the way. Yeah, he's watching SmackDown and Raw every week. Um, he hasn't got into NXT, but <laughs> he was talking about um, Angel Garza's wing clipper and how it doesn't look like it would hurt anyone because he's literally just falling on his butt. Yeah, and it's not even like if it was Angel Garza was like seven feet tall or maybe like five hundred pounds, it would hurt. But he's a small cruiserweight, and it wouldn't hurt at all. Like, even if he would, like, this would be, like, probably pretty fucking brutal, but even if he'd, like, if he was just tall enough to lift the person up and drop them down in the air. Like, if you could show that movement and, like, make it to where they're getting dropped on their butt first. Well, if they just, if he did the exact same setup for the wing clipper and just turned it into a DDT, that would look so much more sick. Oh, yeah. If he just fell backwards, it would look so sick, because it would be like a cradle DDT, and it would look so sick. Yeah. Why doesn't he do that? I don't know, but the Dude, Twin Clipper's terrible. Angel Garza, know you're listening. Just turn that shit, fall backwards, I please. I think Angel Garza and Marty Scurll have the two weakest finishers in all of wrestling right now. Marty Scurll does that, like, butterfly arm drag thing. Speaking that of that. people away for some reason. Speaking of that, I'm very interested in Marty Scurll. Um, Nick, all this match is coming yeah. up. I'm very interested. I like their matches, and I also like the potential of Marty Scurll being the NWA champion. Yeah. Same. I think that could be really cool. Same. And I think him being the NWA champion and going on YouTube, because like he's already one of, he was at one point one of the most popular wrestlers on Pro Wrestling Tees. Oh, yeah. And he's never really been in, he's only been in ROH. 
And so, and New Japan. Yeah. But I think him being on a show where it's available on YouTube and he's on there every week, every two weeks, once a month at least, and he can put on really good matches and he can even do six minute matches. Yeah. And he could still be the um, ROH uh, owner, champion, boss. <laughs> but like, I think it's going to be a huge deal. And Billy Corgan can write his new intro, and it can be great. I think. Um, I William want that Corgan, to happen sorry. If Brody King comes in and takes the NWA television title. Oh. Fuck PCO. PCO can stay in Ring of Honor and just be a terrible champion there. Dude, I P- love PCO. He's sick. He is sick, but dude, Ring of Honor is in the Ring of Honor is going through a change, and they don't need a fifty-six-year-old champion. They need Marty Skrull. They need Flip Gordon. They need. Bandito, they need somebody that can actually elevate the title back to where it was when people like Brian Danielson, AJ Styles, or not AJ Styles has never won the RH title. Um, Adam Cole, like Adam Cole, like these guys who actually made this title meaningful, not guys like Matt Taven, not guys like fucking PCO. Yeah, I would really like to see if Marty Skrull wins the NWA Championship, which I think he will. I would like to see Nick Aldis beat PCO. Because, like, that could just be, like, a funny storyline in and of itself. Is like... The, Nick Aldis loses the world's title and then just walks in and takes the title from... Yeah, PCO. and just, like, does a switch. Because then, like, Nick Aldis can stay away. You can build up other guys while he's gone. And you can have other guys, like, be built up in both promotions to set up for new titles. Because they've already walked through pretty much everyone. I mean, Marty Skrull hasn't held the... Has he held the ROH title? No. Okay, but he still has, like, walked through most people in that division. And it could give both characters a hard reset. And that could be really cool. Nick Aldis, hear me out, buddy. Hear me out, brother. Anyway. <laughs> um, brother. Next, we have the tag team titles for NXT. NXT tag team titles. It was uh, Fish, Fish and O'Reilly versus the Broserweights. Change your name, Broserweights, please. Um, joint manipulation. Joint manipulation. Um, riddle and done. Whatever you want. <laughs> Anything else besides the Broserweight. I, I just wanted them to be called Smoking Fish. That'd be sick. Smoking Fish, dude. Anyway. Um, so, well, they came out in the Broserweight Mobile. They also um, got to Portland in Triple H's uh, luggage on his plane. On his if you watch their on their Twitter, they posted that. Yeah, they also did the vignettes through NXT as well. Oh, okay, cool. So, if you so yeah, NXT, you saw it. So they snuck onto the plane. Very cool. And uh, Triple H, being the champ that he is on Twitter, kept it kayfabe. Anyway, <laughs> so shout out to Papa Trips. Big shout out to Papa Trips. You were a piece of shit before. You're a great man now. True. <laughs> but they came out in the in the Broserweight mobile, yeah. And then they got a caption sing along, yeah. For how much fish could Bobby fry? Bobby fish fry if Bobby fish could fry fish. Thirteen fishes, I think. And now I really want that to become an actual T-shirt. Yeah, the font was terrible, but it was the funny. font was bad, but it was still fun. Um, how much fish could Bobby fry fish? Bobby fish, fuck. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so the match. Um, the match got started. It was super physical, super... It was they a, just wanted to kill Pete Dunne the whole time. It was so good. They took him out like three separate times, and yeah. each time it looked brutal. Yeah, and then Pete Dunne just fucking destroyed the both of them. He did that weird, like, he does that um, toss onto the apron where he, like... The X-Plex? Where he hooks him and they flip over. Yeah. They kind of do, like, a gainer. Yeah, it's like a... It's just a... Well, it's like a standing reverse, or not re- reverse, release suplex. Yeah. 
And it, yeah, it's the X-Plex, and it's super sick. So he does that, like, Don to Moxley both of them. Does it, calls it the money clip. It's better. Pete Dunne does it better. Oh, way better. Um, also, I'd like to point something out. In the first couple episodes, I used to say, Peter Dune. I called this out, and I texted Bryson when it happened. Nigel McGinnis sometimes says, Peter Dune. And that's the reason why, on the podcast, sometimes I get it mixed up in my head. Because I, whenever I hear Nigel McGinnis, because he sounds so different from Marwan and Beth Phoenix, I really pay attention. Because most of the time, I tune out Marwan But... <laughs> Because he's he's too much sometimes. He but, can be, but he's still my boy. He's the best. But Nigel McGinnis calls him Peter Dune, yeah. and it slips up, and he doesn't correct it, and that's why I've done it before. But did you it. call Morrow? Uh, did you hear Morrow call him out on it last night? No. Yeah. So he said Peter Dune, and Morrow goes, "It's done, Nigel." And Nigel goes, "Not in Canada, it's not." <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciated that. But yeah, um, it was a hell of a match, though. It was super physical. Um, well, I mean, Kyle O'Reilly. I don't care what anybody says. He is the most amazing wrestler alive. The way he sold that German suplex, he stood up, yeah. threw his fists up, and then fell down. Yeah. Nobody sold. He's just, he's amazing. He's so good. Plus, his air guitar is still better than Tanahashi. Nope, eat my ass. Forever will Dude, be better. Tanahashi is the best. Tanahashi I'm, is fucking Japanese Hulk Hogan. I am putting Bray Wyatt's air guitar, air guitar over... Kyle Riley. How fucking dare you? Nope, it's happening. How fucking dare you? Dude, yep. I'm going on record as saying Bray Wyatt's air guitar is better than Kyle O'Reilly's. You just lost all credibility. Dude. All wrestling cred. I don't understand how you could not appreciate I want Tanahashi. everybody to unfollow our podcast now because of that shitty ass opinion. Our podcast is garbage. <laughs> it's so much fun though. We're a good time. We're um, a good time. So, really cool. I'm glad the NXT Tag Team Division kind of gets a reset. Um, well, Bruiser waits one, obviously. Yeah. The <laughs> Undisputed Era kind of was getting stale. I was ready for someone new. I also would really like to see Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish do some single stuff. I don't think that's going to happen, especially seeing as Bobby Fish is fucking 43. Okay, Minoru Suzuki is 51. Yeah, but... And, I mean, they still do NXT house shows. They still do all that. So. I want to see Bobby... I want to see them, like, I don't know. Oh, I wouldn't disagree. I think I think Kyle O'Reilly is one of the most absolutely underrated, underrated workers in the business. Yeah. It could be and so sick if he has a singles run. I want him to just break. I want him to become the face, turn on and uh, undisputed there, and I want him to have a fucking feud with Adam Cole. That could be cool. Because those two have put on great matches together. Anyway, um, speaking of Adam Cole, up next was Adam Cole and Tommaso Ciampa putting on an incredible match, <laughs> right up until the end. <laughs> The match itself, they did every move in the whole in the entire world. <laughs> they broke Literally. they broke the Spanish announce table. Those fucking racists. I'm sick of that shit. I don't want the Spanish announce table broken anymore. I want it moved. I want it to be the German announce table. I need something to happen. I'm sick of the Spanish announce table being broken. No more, please. But um, it was a really good match. They threw every move in the entire world at each other. Literally everything from Project Champa to Air Raid Sirens, Denise Strikes, Denise Strikes, Denise Strikes, to Super Kick after Super Kick, to Adam Cole doing his first suicide dive ever in the WWE. Yeah. Which he then got a knee in the face for. What was it? Two Panama Sunrises, one to the outside. Yeah. Fucking how many, like five different last shots. There was a couple like Willows, what's he called it? Willows Bell. Yeah. Lame. However, did that fucking standing pile driver that Adam Cole did to uh, Tommaso when his face was through the yeah, ropes? Yeah. Holy shit, that was Dude, sick. Dude, insane. That was like the better version of the Widow's Bell. It was That's so like good. This was a straight up pile driver. Yeah, it was so it was good. so sick. But 
at the end, goddamn, Roderick Strong and the Undisputed Era had to come out. Um, they distracted the ref. They're doing their bullshit, same as always. Tommaso Ciampa beat the shit out of all four of them. Looking like a monster. Looking like a forearm stud. The ref is knocked out in the corner. Um, Tommaso Ciampa beats up all of the Undisputed Era. And then um, Roderick Strong throws in the NXT title. They get ready to try to use it. That starts coming into play. More shit happens. The ref gets thrown out again. Yeah, the ref takes a bump. The Undisputed Era is all on the outside. Champa's about to grab Goldie and hit uh, Adam Cole to pick up the victory. He actually got the pin. He got an 11 count on... 15 count. Yeah. When the ref was out of the ring. Um, and then uh, Johnny Argano came out because he's a piece of shit. And he can't just not have a feud with Tommaso Ciampa and give anyone else an opportunity. He takes the belt and he hits Tommaso in the head. Tommaso sells it very well. And... Um, can we just talk about Tommaso selling throughout this whole match? Like, after he took that backstabber off the... When he was in the upside-down position on the ropes. Yeah. And when he took that backstabber and, like, legitimately started holding his neck, that was giving me anxiety. Like, the way he was selling his neck was legitimately stressing me out. Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> Sorry. <laughs> the match was insane. Drew's a tired boy. I'm a sleepy guy. The match was insane, though. It was so good. So good. I loved it. Um... I don't care about a Tommaso Ciampa Johnny Organo feud, especially considering the fact that they were DIY two weeks ago. Well, I'd be a lot more interested, interested if it was still a face Gargano and a heel Ciampa. I don't think Ciampa's at his best when he's a face. Well, like I said, I think Tomo- Johnny Organo could reference everything that happened in the past last time he had Goldie and just tell him, I don't want you to have her. I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think you should have the title because this is what you did last time. Remind him of that. And then Tommaso Ciampa just fucking snaps. Yeah. And injures Gani. See, Gani that could have been the best way to do it. He could have been like, hey, now you have a kid. Now you have a family that you need to look for. It's not all about you anymore, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You need to be a, You need to be the better person and doesn't and doesn't turn heel on him. Yeah. Then let Tommaso turn heel. Yep. And let their feud go out that way. I think that would have been a lot better. Not that's, with Johnny as a face. Johnny as a heel. Johnny is not a, a heel wrestler. That's why Just I like think- Sami Zayn is not just like Daniel Bryan isn't. Yeah, that's why I think he could set that up to on Wednesday. Yeah. He could have promo about it. Um, but whatever. I didn't like the ending, but overall this takeover was incredible. I would yeah, this takeover was eight out of ten. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. One of the better ones for sure. Yes. And Berto was very lucky to be there. And we did I saw him holding up a sign with our podcast name on it. Yeah. Within so, the first like ten minutes of the of the pay-per-view, which was cool. So if you also saw that on NXT Takeover and that's what brought you here. Follow us on Twitter, at Ringo Bernabes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, stay up to date with us, and uh, subscribe, listen to us, if you like us. Because we're fucking hilarious. We try our best. <laughs> but yeah. Alright. Alright, so now, we're going to talk. Today we have a subject. Um, do you want to do top wrestling matches first, or do we want to just go on the subject? I'll just go into it. Alright, so, I want to talk, I want to take more time to learn about Bruiser Brody. Um, probably one of the more iconic wrestlers, as far as like, Image-wise goes, he looked just like your typical old, bad, big wrestler. He was a big boy. Crazy hair, big, tall. One of the Undertaker's very first matches. Um, Bruiser Brody has always been one of my personal favorite wrestlers. He's in, he's really good. And if you if you if any of you have New Japan World or just go on YouTube, there's some matches on there. Bruiser Brody with um, Antonio Inoki. He was just 
the way he wrestled was just like aggressive. He was just a big boy wrestler, like really good. And like he died in he is he died, he was murdered. Um oh god. I should have known this. Kinda of jumping around, but I was gonna say you're going to his death already. <laughs> we just gotta mention this because it's very important, I feel like. Do, 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 do. 1988. Yep. He died in 1988 in Puerto Rico. Um, we'll get into that in a little bit. But he, right now, if he was still alive, I believe he probably would have been in the WWE Hall of Fame. No doubt. Because he was all over the place. Um, he was an independent wrestler, basically. He traveled throughout the territories. He was a territory guy. He traveled in Japan. He went into Puerto Rico towards the end of his career. But he never was in the WWE. Um, but... He was born in 1946. Um, as Frank Donald Goodish. Yep. Um, he was known as Bruiser Brody once he became a wrestler, also known as King Kong Brody. And Red River Jack. Yep. Red, R- Red River Jack. Also the Mass Marauder. Yes. <laughs> yep. Um, when he was growing up, he mostly focused on football. Um, he actually played for two seasons in the Washington Redskins. Um, he went to college um, where he studied sports writing in Texas. Um, during that time is when he started learning about wrestling and started going to events with the um, AWA. Um, AWA was based out of Texas. It was started by the Von Erichs. Um, started with the father, Fritz Von Erich. Very cool. Um, we want to do an episode on the Von Erichs just because they're kind such of, a weird wrestling family. Just a real quick thing. He had five sons? Yeah. Four sons? Five. Five. Five sons. Um, one of them is still alive. Everyone else in the family is basically dead. dead. Um, one of his sons, they actually trained him. Um, Bruiser Brody, like we said, he was a big guy. He was a linebacker in football, right? I think he was a linebacker. He also played basketball, too. Um, he was born in Michigan, which we never mentioned, but it's whatever. <laughs> anyway, um, so he, got, he started learning um, about wrestling and about how to wrestle from Fritz von Erichs. Um, yeah, again, they were out of that family's out of Texas. They were all kind of weird, kind of like a culty vibe if you get into their history. Like, they all, him and all his sons live in a cul de sac in different houses, and all their wives live there too, and all their kids live there. They all were super tight knit, and like, there are stories of like the father getting super mad and like beating some of the kids and like basically forcing them to be wrestlers as soon as they were kids. Well, Pretty- all the wives basically looked and acted like Stepford wives and shit. Yeah, very, very strange. <laughs> um, Definitely, if you have the time, um, there's a Behind the Titanotron that talks about that from, uh, oh God, I can't remember the YouTube channel, but there's there's some videos on YouTube that talk about it a little bit more. Um, Bruiser Brody stayed in Texas, wrestled throughout the territories like we mentioned, Um, was really good. He puts on really good matches. He was a big guy. He was close to 6'3", and he just would fight everyone super crazy. Super energetic. He went to New Japan and feuded with Antonio Inoki for a little bit. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, but Bru- uh, Bruiser Brody was definitely more known for his hardcore wrestling. Yeah. Um, and along with that, he was also really known to keep kayfabe alive. Mm-hmm. He had a really strong reputation for never wanting a job. Yeah. Because he knew that he was a special guy, and anytime he lost, it would hurt his reputation, it mm-hmm. would hurt everything he's built, yeah. and everything like that. Um, he that actually ended up causing some heat with other wrestlers as well. Is the fact that he wouldn't really, if he felt like he shouldn't lose to someone, he would not lose to them. Like perfect example, 
I don't know if you have your notes on it, but the Lex Luger match. No. Where um, it was a match in, I think it was 1983. Mm-hmm. He was wrestling um, against Lex Luger. And Bill Alfonso was re- was the ref for the match, and it was a cage match. Mm-hmm. And during the match, Brody just stopped working. And he just started standing around. Lex Luger didn't understand what was going on. Um, he just stopped working and completely just started shooting on Lex. And Lex was just like, what the fuck? What's going on? Everybody was confused. Mm-hmm. And then after the match, the match ended with Luger being dis- de- disqualified. So yeah. Bro- Bruiser Brody could obviously go over. Yeah. After the match, Lex Luger went up to him and was like, hey, like, are we okay? What's going on? And Bruiser Brody didn't give an answer. He was just like, no, we're cool. Yeah. We're fine. Yeah. He he wanted to keep it alive, and he was he was one of those guys, like, um, Mark Calloway said in his interview with Stone Cold Steve Austin that when he wrestled Bruiser Brody, he thought because he was a bigger guy, he should go over. Yeah. And Bruiser Brody was like, no. no. And Mark Calloway got mad about that and tried to be a little stiff with him in the ring on the first go. And Bruiser Brody just straight beat yeah, like hit the receipt and just fucking knocked him. Yeah, hit him with a big boot straight to the face, yeah. like just knocked him flat on his ass because he didn't put up with that. Yeah, that, Bruiser Brody was known for giving receipts if he felt disrespected. And it's also like it kind of makes sense because he came from that sports background. Like for him, like losing was a big deal. Like being in the NFL, being a competitive athlete for so long, and being like really high level. I feel like that's like him just you have to be like a really competitive person to like survive in that type of atmosphere. Yeah. And I feel like that's why he was so serious about that. Um, if you ever see a picture of Bruiser Brody, you'll notice also with the hardcore matches like Bryson brought up, he had scars all over his head from cut blading. Um, he was destroyed. Um, there's some pretty good pictures on YouTube if you just type in Bruce, on Google if you just type in Bruiser Brody and scroll through, you'll see all of the scars that were cutting across his forehead from um, blading and stuff like that. Yeah, and oh yeah, from bleeding. I mean, there's yeah, there's. I mean, we'll talk about his rivalry with Abdullah the Butcher coming up. Yeah, but um, yeah, you can see the massive grooves in his head from bleeding from yep. all that stuff. Um, and not to mention his time in all Japan was he worked a really, really, really stiff style. Yeah, especially when he was working with another one of my absolute favorites, uh, Stan Hansen. Yep, they held the tag team titles in all Japan. Yeah, for Um, quite a while. Yeah, they were both... They murdered everybody. ...really good wrestlers, and they were both just big boys who were just... Big Western dudes that were just crazy. Yeah. You got Stan Hansen, who was this tobacco-chewing, fucking mustachioed cowboy dude, and then you had Bruiser Brody, who was just... You look at him and he looks like what the Tasmanian devil would look like if he was a human. It was crazy. He was so good. But, but um, yeah, he had his matches in New Japan with Inoki. Obviously, they they usually went to a no contest because neither of them ever wanted to lose. Yeah. And the way, if you watch those matches with Inoki, I've said it before, but they hit the ropes so hard, both of them. They hit him in a very different way. Like they lean, they turn and lean into it hard and then, and then bounce off. back. And it was really cool. Like it's just a different style than like. There's no one who does that now. Well, that's why when Stan Hansen would hit his fucking lariat, yeah. people would die because yeah. of how hard and how fast those guys would hit the ropes. Yeah, it was really cool. I think the last person to do it in the WWE was Bradshaw. Okay, yeah. Bradshaw used to do that. Yeah, like lean into, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. he was great though. He, he put on, all his feuds were really good. His tag team stuff was really good. There's a match on YouTube between the Funks. The Funks are kind of whatever, but... There's a match on YouTube where you can actually see them wrestling, which yeah, is really cool. Which is really cool. Um, yeah, the Inoki feud was really cool. Again, not wanting to lose. 
just both of them are both just like that. They don't yeah. lose really ever. Anoki was champion for way too long. He still might have a title reign in him. I don't know. He probably does. Don't Jesus Christ. He's, he's going to be the one to beat Naito for the titles. Probably both of them. <laughs> and then he's going to take the U.S. title off Zack Saber Jr. <laughs> just hold every title like the great Sasuke used to. Yeah, that's it. Um. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, Bruiser Brody really didn't hold that many championships. No. He didn't really he need to. He was a special attraction. He didn't yeah. need to. He hopped from promotion to promotion. Um, also, I know that Bruiser Brody's one of his influences as far as like leaving stuff behind. Brody King actually chose to be Brody after Bruiser Brody. He's one of his like favorite wrestlers, um, which totally... I Same mean, with Brody Lee, who was also formerly known as Luke Harper in the WWE. Yeah, yeah. Made homage to him. I mean, his whole... Yeah. Basically, all of Brody Lee's character was just a modern-day Bruiser yeah. Brody. Yeah, super sick. He was a truck stop Bruiser Brody. Yeah. Um, towards the end of his career, though, after being done in Japan, um, he moved to Puerto Rico, where he was the main booker for... IWWC. Yeah, that one. I was... <laughs> well, and before that, before he started slowing down his career, he, him along with Abdullah the Butcher were huge special attractions for the territories. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Abdullah the Butcher, who I want to do a whole segment on himself, because he's yeah. also another interesting character going up to him owning fried chicken restaurants and stuff. Sick. Um, but there, that Bruiser, uh, Abdullah the Butcher was probably Bruiser Brody's absolute best rival. Mm-hmm. And it's so crazy to think because Abdullah, uh, Abdullah, Abdullah <laughs> and Abdullah would usually work as a heel. Yeah. Except for when they worked in Canada, it was opposite. Mm-hmm. Bruiser Brody would be booed out of the stadium and yeah. Abdullah would get cheered and it was crazy, but... That's those are the matches that would end up with Bruiser Brody missing half of an eyeball or yeah having a fork so deep in his head that you can see his brain stem and Jesus those are the matches that were the absolute Texas death matches those were the matches that were what set the standard for mm-hmm. violence in wrestling these days I mean I know that any time a wrestler gets cut, it's rated on the Muda scale for the Great Muda. Yeah. But it should have been renamed the Abdullah scale because the amount of blood that Bruiser Brody and Abdullah lost while fighting each other. Yeah. Wasn't natural. Yeah, for sure. And I don't think in the legacy, in the annals of the legacies of these guys, I don't think either would have been as successful without the other. Yeah. So, shout out to Abdullah for being great. Yeah, for sure. And then. Once he slowed down his career more, um, he had seen some shit. He had been on the road for a long time. He had been in Japan for a while. Um, he had been there the night that um, Carrie Von Eric. Yeah. Yeah, Carrie Von Eric, who wrestled in New Japan as well, or All Japan. Yeah, All Japan. One of the Japan Japanese promotions. Yeah, <laughs> um, I think it was All Japan. Yeah, he was there the night he was mur- he died. I think he just died. He wasn't murdered. Yeah, I can't remember. But he was there the night he died. Um, that was one of his best friends. He watched that happen. He moved back to, he moved to Puerto Rico where he was working with the IWWC. Um, during this time, he was still wrestling from time to time. He was similar to like a Marty Skrull of that. Yeah. Uh, Marty Skrull to ROA is <coughs> Bruiser Brody to the IWWC. Yeah. He was the main booker. He was the main creative person. He was all over the place. He was running it. Um, it was doing pretty well. I mean, Puerto Rican wrestling is huge. Yeah. Um, was he ever involved with Conan at all? Conan? I don't think so. No. It's Conan after him, probably. Yeah. A little bit. Anyway. So, um, he was down there doing all sorts of crazy shit. Um, 
Puerto Rican wrestling is really cool. It's really it's really influent. It's really big there. Huge there. Yeah. Um. So I mean, it was a great opportunity. On July sixteenth, nineteen eighty eight, he was murdered in the locker room in Puerto Rico in uh, San Juan. I think yeah, San Juan. Um. And he was murdered by a fellow wrestler. What's his real his shoot name? Carlos Gonzalez. Yeah, Carlos Gonzalez. Um, or Jose Gonzalez. I have Jose Gonzalez. Maybe I wrote the wrong name. It might have been. Someone Gonzalez. <laughs> anyway, he was murdered. Um, so basically what happened is they had an altercation in the locker room. Um, Carlos, Jose, Mr. Gonzalez. Um, and he took Bruiser Brody back to the, uh, back to the showers. Apparently there was some sort of altercation. And uh, Tony Atlas came back there and saw Bruiser Brody with a knife in his stomach. Yeah. And uh, Carlos just kind of ran off. Um, they called the co- they called the ambulance, the ambulance because of Puerto Rico's distribution, because of the, where it was in the town. It's really hard to get to, which ended up causing the ambulance to get there about 90 minutes later. Um, Bruiser Brody ultimately bled, bled out. Um, and the thing that sucks about this whole situation is Mr. Gonzalez, um, what the charges were dropped because Tony Atlas didn't show up and testify, really. Same with pretty much everybody that was working the show. I mean, Carlos Colon didn't show up. Yeah. Carlos Colon is almost the one, was the one who was almost, I mean, I don't want to be political or anything, but Carlos Colon is the reason that Bruiser Brody's dead. Yeah. Very sad. Um, Very sad. He was murdered basically just because of a book sports booking decisions. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Um, just crazy. Um, yeah, so like we said before, his influence in wrestling is still lasting to this day. Um, there's a documentary about him where Vince McMahon and other people actually talk about what he did, how he worked, his influence on the industry. Um, I think it was done by Viceland. It's on YouTube. Yeah, I think it was Viceland. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, because if you think about it, without Bruiser Brody, without the like aggression that he brought at a time of supreme pageantry and stuff in the in all of wrestling, I mean, because this is right after Ric Flair, or right before, or during the time that Ric Flair took the uh, Nature Boy gimmick, so there was that pageantry involved with that. Yeah. So at the time when everybody in w- WWF had fucking jobs, but we're all wrestlers and yeah. all that stuff. And Bruiser Brody, along with Abdul the Butcher and guys like Dan Spivey and other people, yeah, um, these were the guys that were bringing the aggression and bringing the realism and bringing the like, the feel of ferociousness to back to wrestling. Yeah, and it's and, like yeah. So without stuff like that, there would be no strong style. There would be no guys like Cesaro. There would be no Cassius Ono. There would be no Brody King. There would be no CZW. Yeah, there, there would be, be no. no. There would be no DDT. There'd be no Nick Gage. There'd be yeah. no. There'd be no Dean Ambrose, yeah. John Moxley. There'd be none of that without him. He was very influential. Um, yeah, great guy. So he was also the master of the slot squat. Slot squat. <laughs> that's true. He was. Nobody could squat like him, dude. Yeah. He also, if he was still alive today, would probably be five foot ten because he used to do a big gnarly leg drop that was pretty scary. His leg drop was fucking terrifying. Yeah, it was just. <laughs> it's like I feel like he like today. If he was still, like, alive, like, okay, not, like, today, today, but, like, I would really like to see a Bruiser Brody Minoru Suzuki match. Because yeah. it would just be a big, aggressive, scary match. Yeah, you get a, you get a five foot three, tall, five foot three 
Japanese man who would slap the shit out of you. Yeah. And then a six foot five fucking burly wild chested fucking monster dude. Bruiser Brody against Orange Cassidy. Book it. <laughs> dude, they probably will. They'll get a hologram of fucking Bruiser Brody and they'll still put on like a really good match. Yeah. Because fuck Jim Cornette. Fuck Jim Cornette. Um, who else should we say fuck about this week? Fuck Brad Shepard. Fuck Brad sure. Shepard. Fuck Jim Cornette. Yeah. Fuck the genuine wrestle boys. We support the genuine wrestle boys now. We do. We're gonna take the high road. I respect that. We're finishing the beef. Fuck the beef. The beef is done. The beef is done. All right, go listen to genuine wrestle boys and eat it. Um. <laughs> now, Bryson. Yes. What was your favorite match you saw this week? Oh. Keith Lee, Donovan, or uh, Dominic Dijakovic. Dominic Dijakovic. Fuck, I hate that name. Yeah, it's a bad name. Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic, probably number one. Yeah. Um, I just watched um, Walter versus Will Ospreay at Over the Top. Ooh. 2018. Really good. Yeah. I also just watched uh, Will Ospreay and Robbie Eagles versus... I can't remember who right now, but it was really good. Yeah. Um, I really, really, really enjoyed, um, I was watching a 2008 X Division match from TNA. Ooh. Uh, it was, let's see, Chris Saban, Alex Shelley, The Amazing Red, I want to say Jigsaw, and I think Homicide. Really cool. Hell yeah. Then I think the last match I saw this week that was really cool. Ah, dude, anytime I can see an Undisputed Era match, I'm cool with that. It was great. Yeah. I love Bobby Fish. I love me some Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. Yes. What about you? Um, I watched, uh, rewatched Jeff Cobb versus Tyler Bateman this week. Super sick. Super fun match. Um, I also watched Hiroshi Tanahashi versus uh, Shinsuke from the G1 final. Very cool. Very fun. Um, Super good match. Um, Also, I watched, last night I watched El Generico... And um, Kevin Steen yeah. versus Super Dragon and Excalibur at CZW. Just because I was like, I wonder what, what was Excalibur like before he decided to be the best commentator in the world. <laughs> He's one of the best in the game. Oh, dude, no doubt. He is amazing. Yeah. If AEW would get rid of fucking Jim Ross and replace him with somebody good, they'd have a great announce team. Taz. Yeah, Taz would be perfect. Taz. Um, JR is so fucking bad, dude. Holy hell. Also, honorable mention for my favorite thing related to wrestling that I saw this week. Jeff Cobb coming out in AEW and hitting John Moxley with a tour of the islands. That was so that was very fucking sick. sick. That was a really cool debut. The way they debu- debuted him was perfect. Why the fuck didn't they do that for Butcher and the Blade? Like, Butcher and the Blade should have had two weeks. They should have done that stupid promo where MJF came down to that butcher, butcher shop yeah. and gave the bunny money. Dumb expression that I just said. But... <laughs> Only in the world of professional wrestling can you say a sentence like that. But that should have been the way they built the Butcher and the Blade. It would have been so cool. Um, but Jeff Cobb came out. He did a hell of a job. He's great. Um, I'm really excited for next week. Him and Moxley is going to be good. It's going to be really good. Because oh, I not, not to mention the Kenny Omega-Suzuki match we just watched. Yes. That we, was really cool. That we just cool. watched a 2017 match uh, for the G1 Climax between Minoru Suzuki and Kenny Omega. Fucking really insane. Really fucking fun match. Yeah. Minosuzuki's great. Minosuzuki's so good. Um, yeah. I'd also like to plug um, Minosuzuki versus John Moxley. Also, Naito versus Kento. Kenta. Naito has been taking notes from Cody Rhodes. If you watch a match, you'll know what I mean. Um, so much good wrestling. 
all the time. It's, it's so sick. Yeah. Um, also, congratulations to Nyla Rose. Nyla Rose, I really hope this championship works well for you. I hope you get better along the way. Same. There's some botches. We brought this up earlier off the podcast. Nyla Rose, you're not very strong. Yeah, that's the problem. Chris Statlander, you're very strong. <laughs> Nyla Rose, you're not very strong. So when you go to pick someone up and you kind of have a hard time, it stands out, especially if you're supposed to be the beast. Yeah. Also, Nyla Rose, if you're the beast, what if you just don't talk and don't just beat people ever. up? Um, your promo skills aren't there yet, I'm sorry. But I do think it's great that she won it, especially during Black History Month. I think that's great. I think it's awesome. I think she's a, she will be a good wrestler. Right now, she's almost there. Is it bad that I just want to see a really awkward love triangle between Nyla Rose and Private Party? <laughs> I just feel like that would be a fun angle. It'd be cool, but it might get offensive. There's very many options for it to get offensive, but yeah, it might. AW could take a nice route and not make it anything bad, but they could. I um, feel like they'd have if I feel like Nyla Rose could have some comedic chops. Yeah, so I think putting them together could be fun. Yeah, I think so. After she does this whole "oh, I'm a beast" thing that everybody does in wrestling, then they end up getting jobbed out because they're fucking dumb. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I'll be excited to see what they set up for Revolution, yeah. which is coming up in. Two, two weeks. Two weeks? Yeah, because it's the last uh, Sunday in February. Whoa, that's coming up quick. I didn't know that. Yeah, dude. I, that's what another thing that bugs me about AEW is they've been building up this pay-per-view for like four months. Yeah. And it, it's hard. They've dropped the Nightmare Collective already. Yeah. They've dropped like all these other storylines going forward. They've dropped the Riho and Chris Statlander fucking feud. Yeah. They've pretty much, almost it seems like they've abandoned the Hangman and Omega feud. It, I don't know. It just it feels like you don't. Yeah, you don't have to have a pay per view every month. Yeah, but if don't. you're not gonna you know, do that, at least have like a big blow off. Because I don't want to see one week of Cody Rhodes getting whipped. I don't want to yeah. see eight weeks of them talking. I don't want to see them have a fucking steel cage match. I want to see other stories start. Yeah, I don't want to see John Moxley versus Chris Jericho built up since fucking December, dude. That's obnoxious. Yeah. And Chris Jericho hasn't wrestled a ma- match since. Yeah. He hasn't wrestled a match, like, what? And, like, I don't think this year at all. No. So. No. He's... It's just, it's dumb. While they're having Moxley. Well, no, he wrestled, no, he didn't. He wrestled Jungle Boy last year. Yeah. Was that was his last year. match. And he technically tied. Yeah. Because Jungle Boy beat the time limit. And so they've got John Moxley, who's wrestled, like, six weeks out of this year so far. Yeah. And it's just, it's the weirdest booking decisions, dude. Like, like I said, you don't have to have a pay-per-view once a month, but at least have, like, a but, special episode where storylines get finished. Or just don't mention the pay-per-view until two months before. Yeah. Don't talk about it. Just wait to announce it, which I think, I really think this is what, their fifth pay-per-view? Technically, like, third. Okay. Under the AEW banner, but... Yeah, so, like, I think they'll get to know that better now, and I think the next pay-per-view will be held off to be announced, like, officially. Unless they do it at the end of that show, which will be dumb. Or just don't match any... Co- don't match... Don't announce any matches until two months before. Yeah. It just, I don't know, it just takes away some of the steam. Because, like, yeah, sure, Chris Jericho can hold a title for three years when he only defends it three times a year. Yeah. Oh, shit, by the way. They already announced their next pay-per-view. Their next pay-per-view is going to be double or nothing in June. See, and even still, that's fucking four months away still. Three months. It'll yeah. be three months, dude. That's... Yeah. Anyway. That's um, fucking 12 weeks of television, dude. That's yeah. dumb. Yeah. 
Let's end this podcast and try to be positive. Who do you think is going to win at the um, AEW Tag Team Battle Royal with all tag teams, I think, or eight tag teams? Yeah, it's eight. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I want I want either the Hybrid 2 or Best Friends to win. What about Dark Order? Are Dark Order in it? I think, yeah, they're in it. You think I think the win? Dark Order, because it's like technically two teams now, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. The Dark Order, then it's... Uh, Reynolds and... Reynolds and Silver. Yeah. Who do you think? I think... I think the Dark Order could win, so they have something on them to kind of legitimize them a little bit. And then Cowboy comes out as the leader of the Dark Order. Or Excalibur. Just do a Lucha Underground booking and just have Excalibur be the leader of Dark Order. That could be sick, but... No, I'm still still pretty sure it's going to end up being Daniels. Or Jim Ross. (laughs) The Dark Order's not racist enough for it to be Jim Ross. (laughs) Jim Ross is going to be the leader of the Dark Order, dude. Or Tony Schiavone. Tony Schiavone's going to lead the Dark Order, and he's going to have him attack Britt Baker. Dude, how amazing would it be if AEW and WWE had a working relationship? Then come to find out it's R-Truth that's the leader of the Dark Order. Dude, R-Truth is up to some shit, dude. That's what I'm saying, dude. If if R-Truth was a Star Wars character, he'd be Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> dude, R-Truth is so lovable that... A racist cop lover like Brock Lesnar loves R-Truth because of how funny he is. Also, never forget, R-Truth has been wrestling for 150 years. And he was the first black NWA champion. Yes, he was. And now he's turned into a joke by the WWE. He's also 50. It makes me sad. And he's also having the time of his life, dude. Suzuki is 50. You can tell that... But Suzuki's also having fun, dude. You can tell... Oh, R-Truth and Suzuki to have a match now. Holy fuck. But, dude, R-Truth is just having fun. Dude, he's able to make his own rap albums now. Yeah. And they're actually decent albums. They're okay. That's the nerdiest thing I'm ever going to say. But they're not that bad. Yeah, dude. I heard... I, If Macho Man was still alive, I'm sure he'd collab on the track with him. Be a man, Hulk. Be a man. I actually used to have that album. Dude, fuck Be yeah. a Man by Macho Man Randy Savage. I used to have that. Just like I used to have the John Cena Word Life album. All right, so we're going to say something honest and end this podcast. If Macho Man Randy Savage was still alive, he'd be a giant transphobe, giant racist. Oh, yeah. He'd be a transporter. He would be a giant transporter. He would probably be the Secretary of Defense. And he'd probably be signed to AEW. He he would be on AEW and he would be fucking. (laughs) He'd be Joey Janela's manager. I'm waiting for Ric Flair to come out and be someone's manager at this point. Like, just bring in all the horsemen and just separate them. Jesus Christ. Good fucking God. All right. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, Love you guys. Thanks so much for your support. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. Um, Randy Orton said the N-word on Twitch. Thank you. Bye.